Good morning. Welcome. Happy Easter to you. He is risen. He is risen indeed. We welcome everyone today. We're glad that you are here and have joined us to worship God on this Easter Sunday. And uh, we hope that God's going to bless you in a very special way as we worship the Lord together and as we celebrate his resurrection. We welcome our guests, especially this morning. You're very important to us. We're glad that you are here today, and we hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we join in worship this morning. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets. We have a, on each row, we'd like to ask if you would to take those and to fill the, those out. Uh, put your name and address, phone number, email address, check the appropriate box on there. We would certainly appreciate that. Uh, any, if we could have a record of your attendance, uh, that would be a wonderful thing for us. A few announcements I'd like to call to your attention. We had a, um, a great day yesterday at our Easter fest, didn't we? Yes, we did. She's laughing as she says that. And some of the children, I heard an amen from the children's section over here. Our children's Easter fest was wonderful yesterday, and, and so we thank everyone for your help in making that possible. It's a great tradition that we have here at Community Baptist Church. Uh, some things that are coming up I'd like to call to your attention. First of all, next Sunday, our youth will be uh, sponsoring a, uh, a lunch and a pie auction immediately after our worship service. So all you folks, come on back next Sunday and we'll have lunch together. We'll have a pie auction. This is a uh, fundraiser for our, our youth for their activities. And that's always a lot of fun and, uh, and, a, and a lot of uh, food as well. And that's a good thing for us Baptists. 
later this week, the uh, Kentucky Baptist Fellowship Spring Gathering will take place on Friday and Saturday at Broadway Baptist Church in Louisville. And I hope that you can uh, uh, come and be a part of at least some of those uh, events that are taking place on Friday and Saturday. And also coming up a little later on uh, in May, we have two retreats that we're going to be participating in. One right after the, the other on two different weekends. On May the 9th, 10th, and 11th, uh, Harry Rowland will be here to lead us in a Dawnings retreat. This is a, a way of, um, of, uh, uh, of beginning the process of, of visioning and beginning the process of discerning uh, where God is leading our church. And so I hope that you can be a part of that. And then the weekend after that, on May the 17th, Glenn Henson will be here to lead us in a spiritual retreat as well. And so we encourage everyone to be a part of, of both of these retreats. It'll be a very important time in the life of our church. It's great to be here together with one another uh, to, to celebrate this Easter event with you, the people of Christ. And so let me invite you now to stand and let us greet one another with Easter joy. Find somebody that you don't know and introduce yourself and share the hospitality of Christ together.
arose. He arose. Hallelujah. Christ arose. Let us join in our responsive reading, appropriately enough, titled, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. This is the Easter festival of life. Let us celebrate the birth of the new, the genesis of our recreation in Jesus Christ. In Christ's resurrection, hope triumphs over despair. Love triumphs over hate. Good triumphs over evil. Belief triumphs over doubt. Life triumphs over death. Glory and honor and praise to Christ who lives and reigns among us. Christ is risen. Amen. Our scripture today is from John, the 20th chapter, verses 1 through 9. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter, the other disciple, set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. For our visitors, this is time for our children. And if you have children all ages, come on up for children's moment. Please. We're going to have a story real quick. And for also our visitors, and if they need some parents to come up with them or grandparents, after children's moment, everybody come on up. There's Samuel. Samuel's got shoes on today. Yesterday you didn't have shoes on. Cameron's new. 
And after children's moment, we are going to go back to my room, which is back there for parents. And we've got a craft to do today. We've got to talk about Jesus. We've got our own treat to make today. So there is a nursery back here, the first door. My room is the second door. So if we have any more kids, we're going to start our story. Morning. Uh Uh-oh. You guys are all tired from children's uh, Easter fest yesterday, aren't you? Okay. Yes. No. All right. Well, real quick, we're going to read this really short story. You know what this story is about? It is. But this story is about looking for Easter because this poor bunny didn't even know what Easter was. Yes, Meg? You read this this morning at your house or did Miss Lana read it? Are you kidding? Well, I love this book. Naturally. Okay. All right. Well, this poor bunny, look at him. He didn't even know what Easter was. He is fuzzy. All right, looking for Easter. You guys ready? Okay. I'll go quick. It says, little bunny poked his nose out of the burrow. Something was in the air. Mm, Just like outside today. It says it smelled like sunshine and warm breezes and clear flowing water. Did y'all smell Easter outside today? Oh, I bet us adults did. (laughs) You did? That's good joke. Good morning, Beaver, Bunny called across the pond. What is that smell in the air? Beaver sniffed a big sniff. I do believe, she said, it smells like Easter. Do you guys know Easter smells? Huh. Yes, Isabella? You didn't? What is Easter, Bunny asked. I think, Beaver said, Easter is a basket. We had plenty of baskets yesterday, didn't we? So Easter's a basket. A basket, Bunny said. I can make one for you, Beaver said. Here's your first hint. If you'll help me gather branches, I need to make my lodge bigger. So the beaver needed some branches, so he asked the rabbit to help him. That's our first clue. Little Bunny carried the basket to Woodchuck's den. Well, good morning, Woodchuck, Bunny said. Look, I have Easter. This is Easter, right? Huh, no. It's a very nice basket, Woodchuck said, but it isn't Easter. Then what is Easter, little Bunny asked. I think you'll have Easter if you fill your basket with grass. Okay, now we have Easter. Do we have Easter now? Uh, Okay. All right. I'll give you some if you will help me dig this tunnel. I need to make my den bigger. Oh, so now Bunny has to help Woodchuck. He's got to help dig in the grass. That's another hint what Easter's all about. Hmm, could it be helping others? Hmm. So little Bunny dug into the dirt and helped Woodchuck. And then Woodchuck gave Bunny enough new grass to fill his basket. Thank you, Woodchuck, Bunny said. Hmm. Little Bunny swung the basket as he walked to Mouse's house. Good morning, Mouse, Little Bunny said. Look, I have Easter. It's lovely, Mouse said, but it isn't Easter. Then what is Easter? Hmm, Bunny asked. You guys know yet? You know yet, Zoe, what Easter is? I think you'll have Easter if you put something sweet on top of the grass, said Mouse. Little Bunny looked at the berries Mouse had picked. Are those berries sweet, he asked. Yes, Mouse answered, and you can have some if you'll help me pick them. I need food, more food for my growing family. Got to help somebody else. So Little Bunny reached up and picked berries off the highest branches. Well, we don't have a berry. Uh, we don't have a berry bush in here. We can't even pick any berries. Well, how about fruit snacks? Let's put some fruit snacks in here. We'll open those and then we'll have Easter. We hit put fruit snacks in here. No? Oh, darn. Okay. All right. Well, let's see what happens. Now, little bunny was sure he had Easter. He took the basket to Robin's tree. Good morning, Robin. Bunny called. Look, I have Easter. But Robin didn't look. 
We've got problem. Oh, dear, oh, dear, she said. The wind blew my nest away. Now I don't have a place for my eggs. Cameron's running away. Cameron, come back. What kind of place do you need, Bunny asked. I need a place that's round and deep. Hmm. He needs a place for his eggs that's round and deep. I need a place that's soft. Soft like grass, maybe? I need a place near food. What do you think Bunny's going to do? Little Bunny looked at his basket. Oh, it was round and deep, and the grass was soft, and there were sweet berries to eat. Like this, Bunny asked. Robin looked at the basket. Yes, she chirped. Oh, little Bunny hugged the basket to his chest. But then he looked at, at the Robin's sad face. Why was the Robin sad? The nest blew away. Bunny said, you can have my basket for your nest. Little Bunny hung the basket on a branch, and then he went home. Would he ever have Easter? I think Miss Royce knows. She's already cheating. For many days it rained, and Little Bunny didn't leave his burrow. That's kind of how we feel sometimes when it rains. Then one day a voice called, Little Bunny, come on, come out. Bunny crept out of the burrow. A wren, you know what a wren is? A wren's a bird. A wren was waiting. Come with me, wren said. I will show you where to find Easter. Easter, little bunny asked, but I already found Easter, and I gave it away. Mm, he didn't really give Easter away, did he? <clears throat> Come, said wren. Bunny followed wren to Robin's tree. Beaver was there. Remember the beaver that he helped a long time ago? Beaver was there with two new babies. Remember the woodchuck that Bunny helped? Woodchuck was there with four new babies. No, that was a female. That was a woman woodchuck. <laughs> and Mouse was there with eight babies. <laughs> and in the basket nest, there were three baby robins. Is this Easter, Bunny asked. Wren nodded. Easter, here's your, the last part of the book. This is what Easter is. Easter is new life, she said. Easter is all around us today. Was Easter all around us yesterday, Joe? It wasn't at Easter fest? Hmm. Little Bunny looked at all his new friends, and something wonderful settled in his heart. It was a feeling of sunshine and warm breezes and clear flowing water. At last, Little Bunny had found Easter. Did that make any sense to you guys? Okay, let me explain to you. Okay, Isabella, it did. All right, the book means that we have Easter all around us. Let me give you some examples. Everybody that donated those chocolate candy and all those Easter egg for us for our Easter egg hunt yesterday, that's Easter, okay? And what about uh, yesterday if you come to Easter Fest and you saw Jake and Nathaniel and Timmy and Eddie hiding 1,500 eggs? That's Easter, Right? And then, you know what, how many of you saw Kelsey up there in the jumpy yesterday and sweat was coming down from her and she was looking at me like, I hate you, Mom. <laughs> but she stayed up there for two and a half hours. That's, that's Easter. Did you know that? Did you know that's Easter? Okay. And then, um, you know what, also yesterday, this is Easter. You guys just didn't know this was Easter. There was Barbara and Becky Hudson was pouring a, a case of apple juice, I mean, real quick. And there was Gail. Gail was doing a game. And, and Kaylee and Heather was doing face painting. And Royce, she was doing a game. She was just working. And Virginia and Donna and Dan, they gave all their time yesterday to help a lot of children. That's Easter, too. Did you know that? And just like Bunny, who gave his time, but he was rewarded with all the new life, wasn't he? Now, does it make sense what Easter is? 
We're celebrating Jesus, but we're also celebrating what God wants us to do. Want to say a little prayer, and then we'll get back and do our thing back in the back, okay? You ready? You ready to pray? Oh, God, we praise you today. Continue to help all of us find the true meaning of Easter, our way back to you with giving and helping others in need. We ask this in your name. Amen. Now we're ready to go back to Children's Church. Gracious and loving God, today we celebrate the gift of life. We have been through a time of crucifixion and a time of death, and now we celebrate resurrection. Today is a day of thanksgiving because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Give us vision to see the calling to which you have called us and strength to live out that calling. Enter into us by your Spirit that we may truly become witnesses of the risen Christ. Bless the gift of our lives to your service as we offer ourselves and our talents and our wealth to you through Christ. Amen.
Amen. Eureka Springs, Arkansas, is the home of the great passion play of the Ozarks. Some of you may have been there, I don't know, but there's a, there's a funny story about one of the actors who once played the part of Jesus. Uh, it seems that as the actor was carrying the cross up the hill to Golgotha, a tourist began heckling him and shouting insults at him. And so finally the actor had taken just about as much as he could take. So he threw down the cross, walked over to the tourist, and punched him out. Well, after the play, the director told him, I know that guy was a pest, but I can't condone what you did. Besides, you're playing the part of Jesus, and Jesus never, ever retaliated. So don't do that again. So the man promised that he wouldn't do it again, but the next day, The same heckler was back again, worse than before, and finally the actor just exploded, punched him out again. Well, the director said, that's it, I've got to fire you. You you just can't behave that way while you're playing the part of Jesus. But the actor begged, he said, please, just give me one more chance. I I really need this job, and I, I can handle it if it happens again. So the director decided to give him one more chance. And the next day, sure enough, as he was carrying his cross up the street, that same heckler was there again. And you could tell that the actor was really trying to hold himself together. But it was about to get the best of him. And while clenching his fist and grinding his teeth, he finally stopped. And he looked over at the heckler and he said, I'll take care of you after the resurrection. Now, you won't find that story in the New Testament. It's not a part of the passion narrative, and it certainly does not reflect the character of Jesus. Thank goodness. I mean, if Jesus came back from the grave seeking revenge on all of those who persecuted him and let him down and were denied him, who of us might be on his list? We call ourselves followers of Christ, but we are also those who from time to time have disappointed him. So I, for one, I'm glad that the real story ends the way it does. Here's what John says about the resurrection. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from its entrance. So she came running back to Simon Peter and another disciple who seems to be the Apostle John. And she said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. And so Peter and John start running for the tomb and John outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked at the strips of cloth lying there, but he didn't go in. And then Simon Peter came along and went straight through the opening into the tomb He saw the strips of linen and the cloth that had covered Jesus' body, but the body was gone. The tomb was empty. Finally, John also went inside. And the writer says, he saw and he believed. But it also says that they still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. And that's interesting, isn't it? Don't you think that's interesting? The disciples still didn't have a clue as to what Jesus' missing body meant. Now, they say that hindsight is 2020, and it is true. We, we come to this place on Easter Sunday morning of 2014 with the assurance that Jesus has conquered death. But those early disciples, they didn't have the benefit of that hindsight, Instead, that that first Easter morning was a time for them of grief, a time for reflection for them. They had followed a man named Jesus, and, and they knew that he was someone special. They even believed that he was the Messiah, the one who, had, who would come to save Israel. But they still didn't really know what that meant. There was certainly nothing militaristic about Jesus, and it it would really be strange to hear someone who's, who's getting ready to lead a revolt against Rome to say something like, love your enemies. 
And no one ever recorded Jesus saying to an adversary anything like, I'll take care of you after the resurrection. I mean, what kind of Messiah was he? Well, we know he wasn't a wimp. No wimp could have driven out the money changers from the temple. No wimp in the midst of all of his suffering could have forgiven those who put him on that cross. No. He was a strong man, but he was not a man given to vengeance or violence. More than anything else, he was a man of peace. He was a man of of healing and acceptance and love. But now he was gone. Crucified, dead, buried. That's the reality that confronted his followers on that first Easter morning. And then, as if to make the story even crueler, his body was missing. Now think of what that meant. All the world's people weep for their fallen leaders. They come to visit their graves. They leave pictures and poems and other remembrances of their affection. But Jesus' followers would never be able to do that. And so the women go down to the tomb and they, they find that the stone had been rolled away. His body was gone. They're confused. They are afraid. They don't know what's going on. What's going on here? Who's playing these tricks on us? And then the stories came tumbling in. Mary has a conversation and it tur- with, with, with a man that she thinks is the gardener. And it turns out to be Jesus. Later that day, two men on their way to Emmaus encounter a, a stranger who asks them about the events of the weekend. And in breaking bread together with this stranger, they've suddenly discovered that they have been talking with Jesus himself. Later that evening, in a room behind locked doors, the risen Christ suddenly appears to his followers and shows them the scars on his hands and feet. And they're overjoyed to discover that he really is alive. It's an amazing story, really. Jesus' followers go from deep, terrible anguish and despair to, to astounding joy. All within the bounds of one day. And my friends, let me tell you something. That joy still resounds today. That proclamation of that joy began this morning somewhere over in New Zealand with the pealing of the church bells as we entered into a new new day. And, And then it was carried by jubilant voices raised by millions of believers in Asia and Africa. Then it swept across the great cathedrals of Europe. And now we here in North America and South America join our voices with theirs. And the joyful news of Easter sounds wondrously all over the world. He is alive. He is alive. He is alive. So let's think about what that means to us today. First of all, it means that Christ has conquered death. And I know that's the same message year after year. Every Easter, I tell you that. Christ has conquered death. But I want to tell you something, folks. That message never grows old. Jesus Christ has conquered death. Max Lucado once told about a missionary in Brazil who discovered a tribe of, of Indians there in a remote part of the jungle. They lived near a large river, and the, the tribe was in need of medical attention. There was a, a disease that was ravaging the population, and people were dying. So the missionary wanted to take these people to the hospital. And it wasn't too far away. It was just across the river. But the Indians were afraid to cross that river because they believed that it was inhabited by evil spirits. They believed that if they got into the water, they would certainly die. And so the missionary explained to the Indians how he had come across the river and he had survived. Nothing wrong, nothing bad had happened to him. But they weren't impressed. So he took them down to the edge of the river and he, he placed his hands in the water. and and, and But still... They wouldn't go in. So he walked into the water up to about his waist and he splashed water up into his face. But they still were afraid to enter into that river. And so finally he dove into the river. He swam 
beneath the surface all the way across until he emerged on the other side of the river. And he raised up and raised a triumphant fist into the air. He had entered the water and he had survived. And that's when the Indians broke into a cheer and followed him across. In the same way, Jesus has made the journey from this world to the next. And he has returned to tell us that the journey is safe. Because the loving father is waiting on the other side with the gift of eternal life. And I know that you can raise many reasonable arguments against the idea of resurrection. Scientifically and practically, it's impossible. But one thing cannot be argued And that is the dramatic change that took place in the lives of those disciples after Easter. Nearly every one of them were eventually martyred, killed for the sake of the cause. Some of them suffered terribly. And why did they do that? Why were they able to overcome such obstacles here? Well, here it is. It is because they were simply unafraid of death. You see, they knew that death had already been conquered by Jesus. And they knew that death no longer had a hold on them. And that knowledge that death had been conquered freed them to live and to love. Knowing that whatever happens, life goes on. And that knowledge can free us as well. W.A. Criswell used to tell a story about being on an airplane seated next to a well-known theologian. The man told Dr. Criswell about how his young son had recently died. He said the child had come home from school one day with a fever, and they just thought it was one of those childhood things. But it turned out to be a very strong form of meningitis. The doctor told this man that, and his wife that, that they could not save the boy. He told them that this child whom they loved so much would die. So the professor, loving his son as he did, he sat beside his bedside while his son passed from this world to the next. He said it was the middle of the day and the little boy's vision began to, to get cloudy. And, he, and the little boy said, Daddy, it's, it's getting dark, isn't it? And the professor said, yes, son, it's, it's getting dark, very, very dark. And the boy said, Daddy, I guess it's time for me to go to sleep, isn't it? He said, yes, son, it's, it's time for you to go to sleep. And the professor said that son had a way of fixing his pillow in a certain way and, and putting his, his head on his hands when he slept. And so he fixed his pillow like that and he, he laid his head on his hands and he said, good night, Daddy. I'll see you in the morning. He then closed his eyes and In death, he stepped over into heaven. Dr. Criswell said that the professor didn't say anything for a while after that. He just looked out of the window of the airplane for a long time. And then he then he turned back and he looked at Dr. Criswell with tears in his eyes. And he said, Dr. Criswell. I can hardly wait for the morning. My friends, that professor knew that death had been conquered. And because of that, he could go on with his life. And that's exactly why the the church bells peal around the world today. That's exactly why choirs will lift up their hallelujahs today. It is because death has been overcome and we are free to live and to love with the knowledge that whatever happens, life and love go on beyond the grave. And this is what gives us hope. And this is what gives us a sense of peace, no matter what our situation may be. You know, sometimes life isn't easy, is it? Life easy for everybody? I I don't think so. It's, It's not easy all the time. And sometimes we fail. Sometimes we falter along the way. But Christ's resurrection tells us that no matter what, life has meaning. And our efforts have lasting value. The editors of a website called Pathos.com 
uh, invited a dozen bloggers to share their reflections about why we need resurrection. And a blogger named Kara Root wrote that this is the reason she needs the resurrection. She said, she said, I need the resurrection because my sister is sick and can't afford insurance. She said, I need the resurrection because I have told a weeping Haitian mom, no, I can't take your son home with me. I need the resurrection because I've been rushed off of a Jerusalem street so that a robot could blow up a bag that could have blown us up. I need the resurrection because I've exploded in rage at my children and watched their tiny faces cloud with hurt. I need the resurrection because evil is pervasive and I participate in it. And I need the resurrection because it promises that in the end, all the wrongs will be made right and death loses and hope wins and life and love prevail. How true that is, my friends. Life and love do prevail. And that gives us hope for the living of our lives. Easter is important not only as a sign that death has been conquered, but also that life has been conquered. We no longer need to live in slavery to fear. Jesus says, because I live, you also will, will live. And that's the greatest good news that we could ever hear. In a sermon titled Easter as an Earthquake, William Williman tells about a devastating earthquake that took place in the 1950s in China. And as a result of the earthquake, a, a huge boulder was dislodged from a mountain, rolled down the mountain. And when it did, it created an opening in the mountain which exposed a great cache of wonderful artifacts from a thousand years before. Willeman said a whole new world suddenly became visible. And then he said that when the stone was rolled away on Easter and the earth shook that, that day, we too got our glimpse of a whole new world, a world where, where death does not have the last word. John Bunyan understood that. John Bunyan was a Baptist who was imprisoned in England in the 17th century for refusing to sign a document affirming the Church of England's uh, statement of faith. And while in prison, he wrote the classic allegory, The Pilgrim's Progress. It's regarded by scholars as one of the most significant works of religious literature. There's one passage. In this passage, the character named Christian and his traveling companion, Hopeful, are awaiting certain death in a place called Doubt, Doubting Castle. And Christian and Hopeful are praying through the night when, when all of a sudden Christian sees the light of Easter break into his heart. And here's how he, is, he responds. He says, what a fool I am to lie in this stinking dungeon when I may as well walk in freedom. I have a key in my bosom called promise and I am persuaded it will open any lock in Doubting Castle. And so it did for Christian and hopeful. That key is God's promise that the demons of hell could never defeat them. And folks, I want to tell you something. You and I have that key as well. So why are we content to lie in a stinking dungeon when we can walk in freedom as children of the resurrection? Death has been overcome. We are free to live and to love with the knowledge that whatever happens, life and love extend beyond the grave. And because he lives, as we sang just a moment ago, because he lives, we also can live victoriously, freely, without fear. And that is why around this globe this day, above all days, bells are ringing. And choirs are singing. He is alive. He is alive. He is alive. Amen. Our closing hymn today. Our choir.
and anyone here, everyone here, who would like to join us in singing this wonderful, wonderful chorus from Handel's Messiah, the Hallelujah Chorus. We will join our brothers and sisters from around the world who have been singing this praise and singing these hallelujahs all morning. We will join in the celebration that Jesus Christ is indeed alive. Let us join together in singing the hallelujah chorus. Anybody who would like to come and join the choir today to sing. Come forward. Come forward.
Join me in prayer. Oh God, you have opened our eyes to see who you really are today. You have opened us to us the gate to eternal life by the resurrection of your son, Jesus. You have opened our minds to understand the significance of Christ's life. So that even in suffering, we may know the joy of living. And so now, as we go from this place, may the God of peace who brought Christ again from the dead equip you with all you need to do with God's will. May the one who became the great shepherd lead you into life abundant and life eternal. And may the joy of Easter fill your lives for eternity. Go as resurrection people, free to fulfill Christ's kingdom. In his name we pray, our resurrected Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Happy Easter, everyone. Sure. 